Father, I want to thank you, God, for bringing my brothers and sisters into this room, and uh, God, for the word we've already heard, God, it just brought peace to our hearts. Well, I just pray that, that tonight, as um, when we talk about our appetite, we talk about hungering for you and, and desiring you and wanting you, Lord, I just pray that... Um, for that person that that wants that wants you, but God, they they see you in the wrong view because of their life experiences, or because their father wasn't a good father, or God, whatever that may be, God, they see you as someone who doesn't care, or someone who doesn't love, or someone who doesn't pay attention, or doesn't care about the small things that are going on in their life. God, I pray that they would be able to see you for who you really are and know you for who you are. And Lord, I just pray that um, you know, we open up your word and, and I pray that we're changed as a result of reading your word. And I pray that our hunger would increase and that with your word we can go out of here and bring you more glory and that, God, for the people in here who don't want you, I pray that it would be weaved out. It would just be that that it be taken away and, and to see how good you really are when they get into the darkness of this world. They see that you are light and that they need you. Lord, I just pray that your word would do a work in people's hearts tonight, in mine, and we would grow as a unit and we would grow as a body, but we'd also grow as individuals closer to you and to know you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, um, we're in this series called Appetite, and uh, tonight we're only going to be talking about three verses, and the scary part about that is, is that when you only have three verses to preach on, you either don't say enough or you say way too much because you feel like you have to explain it too much. So, it's really difficult, but we, the first uh, time we talked about this was Adam and Eve and, and how they hungered for something and they put that above God, so that was the initial sin. It wasn't the actual eating. It was that their desire or their hunger was for something other than God. And at that moment when she said, I desire that fruit, it was desire to, to eat, that's when she took of it. And it wasn't the chewing, but it was, oh, I want that. And God said not to. I want that more than God. And then we looked at Jacob and Esau and how uh, Jacob uh, told Esau, hey, if you want this suit, you're going to have to sell me your birthright. Like, I get, I get double inheritance. I get the land. You know, I get this. I get that. I get to be the boss. And he was like, what's that? You know, I'm starving. I'm starving to death. And, and so uh, we looked at that as, as we, we give up so many things for just a small bowl of soup, right? We give up our birthright as children of God for just a small bowl of soup, just a small moment of pleasure, a small moment of, hey, I'm, I want to be accepted, or a small moment of, just whatever you can fill in the blank with, this is not pleasing to God. And we sell our birthright as children of God. And we, we say, I don't want my inheritance in heaven. I would rather have this here and now because it seems more desirable. And you put that above God. And, and you know, this, this, this whole series has kind of just racked my brain because, you know, at work, it's kind of, I changed my environment up a little bit to where I'm not by myself much of anymore. I'm actually more kind of in, in the group and in, in with the guys, you know, and, and there's a whole lot of conversations that go on there and a whole lot of things that, that go on that, 
that I'm just like, I don't know if I should be a part of this or you know, is this dining with sinners? I don't know what this is, but here's what it did. I'll tell you what it did do was I started thinking about appetite. And, you know, we talked about fasting last week. I still haven't fasted, um, but I actually thought about that today. I was like, man, what would it, I, I was so forgetful, you know? Like I, like I said last week, I always think about it at the wrong times, you know, like I'm um, at lunch. I probably should have fasted today or something like that. You know, it's like, dang it. I already took a bite. Sorry, God. You know, but, uh, but it's like some of those things, like I'm so forgetful and I, and I get so distracted. But here's what I want to start out with. I was reading this book, um, and I actually have it up here because it's a bookmark. That's how small it is. Uh, it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. It is literally so small. Like, like the chapters are like one page long, and it's the coolest thing ever. But um, one, thing he said, one thing he said in there that I read yesterday, and it's what it said. It's like uh, it was a letter to uh, his sister in Christ, and she was struggling with some things. It was like, uh, or to his brother in Christ to tell this woman. It was like, hey, make sure that she knows that you don't become spiritually mature all at once because then you get discouraged. He puts things so simply. It's like, it was like meant for me. It's like, to make sure she knows that you don't, that you don't just spiritually mature all at once. You don't just become, you know, this in one day. You don't just all of a sudden become a good Christian overnight or, you know, whatever we consider a good Christian. And spiritually mature, I, it immediately hit me as, I oftentimes have a standard for myself that God doesn't even have. Knowing that, that Christ has died for me and has taken my place, he met that standard for me. Now it's growing more like him every day. And, and God even knows the lessons I need to learn at each point in time. And, and, and sometimes I try to learn them faster than, than I'm, I'm supposed to because it's too much weight. We've talked about that before, how uh, Corey Tim Boom, when she was real little, she asked her daddy, hey, hey, daddy, what's sex in? And she's like seven. He's like, oh, whoa, hey, hey. Like, where'd you learn that from? You know, we ain't going to that school no more. No, it was just, but it was like, hey, when they were on a, on a train, and, and he said, uh, okay, you asked that question, and he, without him answering it, he said, hey, Corey, while we're going off, can you grab my, my briefcase? And it was like full of like watches and stuff because they owned a watch store, and he was a watchmaker, and she tried to pick it up, and she couldn't carry it. It was like, but daddy, it's too heavy. It's like, no, just try a little harder, you know, and she couldn't get it, and he was like, you know, you don't, I can't tell you everything at once. Some things are a little too heavy for you. And so there's things I learned on day one being a Christian that, that I know now, but I couldn't have learned on day one of being a Christian. You know, and so it's like spiritually mature. And, and it said, and talked about the presence of, of God and how, and how every day, you, you know, it, I, I don't know. This, this is how it hit me. I'm just going to tell you how it hit me. So I'm, I'm with my guys. I'm with the bros. And I love them so much now that I get to, I've gotten to know them. And uh, used to, I, had, I used to have this judgmental attitude toward everybody because I kind of had this, like, pious self-view of, uh, of myself because I was like, I want to be a good Christian. You know, I had good intentions, but it was really kind of like avoiding the world, you know, in Psalm chapter 119. Hey, God, how does, how does a one, how's a young man keep his way pure, you know, by avoiding the rest of the world? No, that's not what it says. You know, he, if you avoid the rest of the world, as uh, 1 Corinthians uh, or uh, 7 says, it says that if you try to avoid the world, then you would basically have to leave the world. I mean, like, you can't avoid sin. Like, even if you're, like, locked in your own room, you know, your heart and your mind are both simple. It's like, you can't do that. So how do you keep your way pure? By living according to your commandments. So I'm with my guys, I'm with my boys, and, and you know, they talk about, they say jokes, and I'm laughing, and, you know, all this other kind of stuff, and, and they talk about all kinds of things. And I, I started, it's what, it's what occurred to me. It's what occurred to me, that I'm supposed to be there with them, Right? 
I'm supposed to be in the midst of sinners because they need good news. And if I don't know what they go through every day, if I don't know them, if I don't try to get to know them, then I don't know how to share the gospel with them. I don't know that what their biggest need is. One guy in, in this group of four that we have, uh, and I'm, I'm including that group of four, his biggest need is peace. He needs peace. And then there's this other guy, he needs direction. He needs the, a lamp to his feet and a light to his path. He needs those things. And I'm just like, I know what you're going through now. Like I can, I'm making connections in my head, but here's what he was doing with me. See, the coolest thing about it with me is that I was with them and they were actually pulling sins out of my heart to the surface. You see, I didn't actually know everything in my heart until I was around them for a long time. And stuff started, in my heart started coming and rising to the surface like, oh, I didn't actually know I struggled with that. And before, I actually probably wouldn't have admitted it. But since they, none of them are real true Christ followers and they don't go to church and, and all this kind of stuff, their judgment level is like zero. Like they have no judgment whatsoever. So like if I struggle with anything, if I came to work the next day and like, you know, we got some guys like they smoke pot and then you got some other guys who like they struggle with drinking alcohol and then, you know, this guy over here is sex and all that. We have all, I mean, there's just like sins everywhere and it's just like, Okay, like this is humanity. Like well, I'm not I'm not around a bunch of people who are like I don't do this or I don't do that. You know, you know, drinking with your pinky up. Like well, I'm not I'm not around that. So if I came to work the next day and you know they know me as a Christian, they and I said, hey guys, I did something yesterday that I've never done before. I smoked a blunt, and they'd be like, oh dude, like are you serious right now? I'd be like, yeah dude, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like hey man, look, it's okay, just. Just like, here's what you got to do. Like, they would be so understanding. They wouldn't be like, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. You evil person. Like, and not saying I wouldn't ever do that, but think about the man after God's own heart. Like, he committed like the highest, like, I'm not, like, because you cannot, as a Christian, you cannot put yourself above any sin. Like, you can never just say, I would never do that. Like, you can't, you just can't say that. It's just not something you can say. But being around them, and this is what we should know as Christians, being around them started making things rise to the surface in my heart. And it helped me, it humbled me to the point where I said, hey, I actually have to work on some things. I actually probably need to work on my language, even though I may not say a cuss word. You know, a cuss word is just pretty much anything that perceives something else. You know, like, you know, like the F word, you know, we talk about dropping the F bomb and stuff. You can like replace the F bomb with like the word like freak or like the word like, you know, fudge or something like that. It means the same thing. You know, it's like you're really actually cussing. You're just not saying the actual word. Just like Adam and Eve, they actually chewed the sin up, but it wasn't the chewing of the fruit. It was actually desiring the fruit more than God. So like, if I'm saying, you know, like what the fudge. You know, it's like, it's like, that's just like a Christian cuss word. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you even say that? Why don't you just say, you know, like, or, you know, just don't say anything. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it other than there's things in our hearts that we have to realize and be humble. And when you're hanging out with a bunch of sinners, you know, that aren't Christians and they're non-judgmental, you actually, it's like, there's this like bond. And I started thinking about it today, like as I took a shower after work, I was like, man, God, I really love these guys. Like, I really, really, really love them. And it was like, it was a really weird kind of love that I really have not felt before, like towards like a, a lost soul, like because now I know them. And not only that, they benefit me in that they draw things to the surface and they're not scared to say, you know, this or that about it. And they're not judging me for it. They're helping me through it. 
you know, because they know my standard. They know how I am. And the craziest thing about it is, he said, one of the guys said, I'm, I'm going to come to your church. And I was like, okay, it was out of nowhere. I was like, I do, like, whatever. And, uh, and then one of the other guys was like, yeah, me too. Like, uh, if I ever go, I'm going to your church first. And I was like, all right, you know, and I was like, but I, we started talking about church. And, and I was going to say, we all, like, it, it's amazing, guys. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. There's all these emotions going through my heart right now about just being with lost people and having that same, that desire, that hunger, like Kenny was just talking about, that hunger for God, hunger and thirst for God. And I see it in them. And one of the guys actually thought he was a Christian. And the more we talked, he said, I know, I know that I'm not a Christian, but I really want God. Like, I really believe he's there, but I know that I'm not a Christian, but I really, I really, really want him. I want to become a Christian. I just don't know how. That's the point you get to when there's no judgment. You know, but they know my standard. They don't ask me to go smoke a blunt with them. They don't ask me, hey, come do this, come do that. Because it's like, I don't know, it's, it's God. That's all I can say is like God is in that. And, and what I want to talk about is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. In Matthew chapter 5, he goes through, he goes through these, uh, these things. He's, he's preaching the most famous sermon ever, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. And he goes through what they call the Beatitudes. I'm not, really call, I'm not really sure why they're beautiful. But it says, God blesses those who, God blesses those who. And it gets down to this, verse 6, it says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness. And I remember specifically, King, you may not remember this, but there was one night in, in, uh, in Unite where, I mean, it was like all 11 of us in there were there, and we were strong, and uh, we were kind of spread out in a seat of, over two, of 200 seats, and, and I was kind of sitting, I was sitting, you know, with Kylie, and, and Kenny, as he does here, he would go in between songs, and, but it was like, like, it was different, y'all. Like, this was like, Kenny was like coming out of his shell. Like, this is like, he calls it his time of humility, but like, I'm talking about hard, y'all did not want to hear him speak. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason why there was 11 people there. The dude would come up there and straight preach, son. Like, it was like, he would fire me up. Like, we would make eye contact, and I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, I got, sweat, I got sweat coming down my brow. Like, I'm ready. Like, let's go share the gospel right now, son. Like, I want to go right now. And, it was, and we'd all go out to eat afterwards, and we'd talk about it for hours. But there was this one time that I really remember, and it stuck out to me because I was struggling so hard. Like, I was coming into you not like just, oh, God, I just need to talk to Kenny. Like, where's he at? Like, I, like, I just need to hear the message. You know what I'm saying? I need to hear a gospel because, like, I, I'm struggling so hard right now. And, like, I was just coming in, sitting down, crying. Like, I didn't even, like, worship. I was just sitting there the whole time praying. And there was this one time I just said, man, I just need to go out to the altar. And they kind of look like this, actually. They kind of had little, you know, metal things on the thing. But I kind of went off to the side. And I didn't know this, but Kenny came up to the stage about, about that same time. And I was just praying, like, God, I actually don't know what I want. But I do know that I want you. And it's like, there's just so much evil. And I, I feel like I'm being drawn to it. And I'm just like, but I want you. And I can't handle the fact that I still struggle with sin. Because I had been a Christian for like three or four years at that point, And I was like, I should be done with sin by now. Like, can I not just be good enough? You know, like, I feel like, you know, day one, I was cool with it. Man, I slipped up with a cuss word, darn it. You know, like, but I actually, I, it wasn't like that. But like, it was like, I would cuss. And I'd be like, oh, 
next time, next time. You know, I was cool with it. I was like, I was encouraging to myself to just like follow after Christ, and I was excited, you know, but like at this point, like if I said the cuss word, I stubbed my toe or something, like, it's been four years, okay? Like, can we not get somewhere with this? Like, can I not be the best I can be now? And like, I was, I was very impatient, but, and then as I come down to the altar, it was the first thing, G, uh, uh, not Jesus, Kenny, and I uh, started talking. He started, he started uh, reading the Bible, and uh, I, he might have been reading it from, you know, memorization or something. Like, it was on fire, son. Like, it was straight revelation from, from God. It wasn't even scripture anymore. It was like, no, nah, it was highly a joke, Facebook Live. I'm kidding. This is not heresy. So, anyways, he started reading. He got down the first six, and I had never even really heard this before, and it said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And it was like every word I had said in prayer and that I didn't say because I was so overwhelmed came together in that one phrase, like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I was like, I'm hungry. Like, I, I want that. And thirst for righteousness. Like, yes, yes, I, I want that. I want that. They will be satisfied. I was like, wow. I did, I did not even say another word to God. I, I sat there and I cried because it was like, that is what I need to know that God satisfied. God will satisfy my hunger for this. And so we're going to talk about that. So, Righteousness. What does that even mean? And, and hungering and thirsting, what does that even mean? I don't get this. Because, you know, like I said, you don't just all of a sudden spiritually mature in one day. It's a working process. It's a process of sanctification. You are being sanctified. You are getting better. You're going from one glory, uh, one level of glory to the next. And, and, and you're becoming more like Christ. And you're looking at other people who follow Christ. And just like me, when I was looking up to Kenny at Unite, I was like, I, I want to I, I do the things he does. You know, like I, I want to I look like he does when I get that age or, or whatever. And, and he's looking to somebody else and they're looking to somebody else. And, and it all goes back to Christ. It's like we're looking at, we're going from one glory one level of glory to another, and we're just being sanctified. We're getting better. That's what righteousness is. But like, and here's what, here's what, here's the thing. Like, it can become overwhelming. It become a little overwhelming when you just think about righteousness because you think perfection, right? That's the first thing your mind goes to is perfection. Like, that's my standard. I have to be perfect. And I've heard a lot of people say, you don't have to be perfect, but that has to be your standard that you shoot for. And I don't even know if that's true because that is so, to me, like, if, I, if you give me that standard to go for and I don't reach it, I feel guilty. I feel burdened. I feel like I have failed God and God is not proud of me. You know, that's, not, that's how I feel. But here's the thing is that when I said, or when Kenny said on the welcome, your heart probably jumped. If you really hunger and thirst for righteousness and, and you actually have that in your heart, when he said that, your heart probably started pounding because you know what that's like. You know that that is you and you know like, hey, I want that. And if you don't hunger and thirst after righteousness, you probably heard it and you probably want to be taught how to do that, or you want, you want just to kind of know the idea about it, or you want somebody to talk about it, but that's not actually your life because you're kind of busy right now, and it's not really something that you really strive after, so it probably didn't actually hit you at all. It was probably just some words in passing of hungry, okay, yeah, God, this, Jesus, you know, all that kind of stuff. It just kind of passes through because, you know, we're supposed to hunger after God. We're supposed to thirst after Him. Okay, yeah, yada, yada, yada. He saved me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. 
circumstance. And it was like, you know, it's like, thank you for this day kind of thing. It's like that is just kind of a passing thing. But if you actually hunger and thirst after righteousness, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, hungering and thirsting after righteousness cannot be taught. But there's a twofold thing with righteousness. Number one, number one with righteousness is this, is that it's the way you live. You live right. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you want to live right. So here's what it looks like. And you don't, always, you don't always make experience into principle, so don't, don't just take all of my words and just say, hey, okay, for every experience that he names, when I come up on that experience, I have to react just like this. Francis Chan said it one time. He was like, I don't want you to think that moving into an RV, going across the country and just sharing the gospel at every pit stop you go to is what you should do for the gospel because that's an experience. That's not a principle you have to follow as a Christian. You don't, everybody, not everybody has to go to Africa and adopt a child. Not everybody does that. If everybody did that, there'd be no more children to adopt and everything else would be struggling in the world, right? Everybody else would be hungry. So here's the thing. Don't turn experience into principle, but here it is. When your friends are all going to a party, like they're all going, not just some of them, they're all going and you stay behind. Or when your boyfriend or your girlfriend, it's really easy for you to go to first and second and third base. It's really easy because you have the opportunity, but instead you hunger and you thirst after the right thing to do and you don't do that because in your heart and your heart bears witness to the conviction that you have. And when you actually, if you ever sin, your heart will bear witness to the fact that you just did something bad. It's called a conscience. And you don't like it. You don't like the way you feel. And most times when you give in to sin and your conscience is killing you, you give in to more sin so that it would feel better at the time so you could get rid of your conscience for a moment. Then it becomes heavier and heavier and you get weighed down more and more and more. And that's kind of where that goes. But you live right by saying, no, boyfriend or girlfriend, we're not going to go that far. Or you might even go to the next step and say, I probably should not even be in this relationship because the relationship I need to be in is with Christ. And this is kind of leading me down the wrong path. Or when you're, you listen to a song and and something comes up in the next verse, and it, and it says something, you know, like being at church on, on a Sunday and, or uh, being at a bar on Saturday night and being at a church on Sunday, and, you know, God's grace covers that. You know, like, that might not be the best thing to influence your mind with. So you, I want to live right. I don't want to do that. I don't want to support this. And it's, it's just things like that. Or, or when, you're, when you say, hey, God, I, I really want to, you know, cheat on this exam or whatever, but I'm not going to because... I know that you have a greater plan for me. I know that, that, that this, this one test, I'm not going to sacrifice my integrity for this. I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm not going to do this. There's all kinds of things you can put in that blank, but it's living right. But I don't want to narrow it down to just your action because it's not just what you do, it's why you do what you do. You see, Jesus looks at the heart. We talked about not too long ago the woman who was caught in adultery and how uh, they brought her up to Jesus and most likely she was naked and, and she was shamed. And, and uh, what, basically what happened was is when he basically told the Pharisees, hey, y'all broke a couple of laws as far as I you know. As far as I know. Uh, y'all broke a couple of laws bringing her up to me like this. So scurry on, you know, like get on up out of here because... You know, this lady's heart now is right with me. Because what she had done, God had grace for us. Like, hey, does anybody condemn you? No? Okay, neither do I. Go and 
sin no more. See, her heart, see, what she did did not make Jesus love her. Like her doing and going and doing, sinning no more, that's not what made Jesus love her. See, the love preceded doing right. You see, but when the heart came, when their hearts joined, it was like, okay, your sins are forgiven and she is forgiven now and she is in him. She's in Christ and she knows I am free from my sin. I am free from this adultery that I'm, I'm marked with and I, I'm free now. Then she went out because she knows why did she live right? Why did she do that? Because living wrong was not beneficial to her. It was dangerous. It was not good. It was killing her. It was shaming her. She felt shame even before then. So she went out and she lived right because that's, that's the only way to live, guys. That's the only way. There is no other way. There is no other way that's satisfying. You don't go out and purposely do wrong. You see, but God gives us, you know, not a set of rules, but he gives us a guideline of, hey, this is what an abundant life looks like. You see, God came, Jesus came to give us life and give us life more abundantly. So we live right. We hunger and thirst after righteousness all about your heart, what it wants. You desire to do right. Are you going to do right all the time? No, because I'm with my guys. I'm having fun. I'm making jokes. I'm doing this. And all of a sudden I realize, oh, dang, I screwed up again. You know, like, and it's like, but that, actually, I don't want to say sin is good, but that experience is good because you know, oh, this, this rose up. Now it's, hey, God, now you get to re-experience his grace all over again. It's like, God, I, this is what I noticed. And, and hey, I just want to do you know, this. Ricky, I, want to, I love him. I, I want him to be, you know, it's just like you get that experience with God because you realize how much he loves you when he loves you even though you sinned. If you convince yourself you have not sinned, you don't see his love for what it truly is. And so the more, you, the more you go throughout this life, and even if you're a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years, you're still going to mess up. It's just a reminder of how much I love you. Even if there's a thorn in your flesh, like Paul says, it's humbling you to realize that God died for you. He gave his life for you, and now you're an instrument for his glory. And you can go into the midst of darkness being a light, and they can look at you and say, he's not perfect either. I think I can have that same grace. That's kind of what it's for. But number two, your righteousness is not your own. Your righteousness is not your own. Kristen, how, how, you're a lifeguard, right? How far can you swim without drowning? How far do you think? How many miles roundabout? 24? Oh, 0.1. We're going to say... 24. I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm feeling like you can swim probably a good 15 miles. Anybody in here think they can top 15? Kim Pope, 15? 16 and a half. So I got 17? 17 and a half? No, I'm just kidding. 18? We got an 18. Anybody else? I, I'm going to beat all y'all, so it's not really going to matter what you say next. I'm, I'm a good 30 miler kind of guy. Like, I'm an Olympic dude. You know, back in my prime, at least. Like, when I was, like, you know, like, 23. Oh, that's right. I am 23. So, like, I can go, like, 100 miles. Like, that's how far I can go. So, but just picture yourself. We're all 
in California, off the southern coast of California, SoCal. And so we're down there in the sun, bright sun, it's hot. And we said, hey, you know what, guys? We're all going to try to get to Hawaii. We're going to do it. Hey, you know, and we're like, all right, let's go. And so Kristen takes off. She's punching people along the way, like, get out of my way. If y'all know Kristen, y'all know she does that. And, uh, and so she's punching people along the way. She dives into the waves. And here I go. I'm like passing everybody. I'm not real fast, but I got the distance, you know. And I'm passing everybody. I'm passing everybody. Do y'all think that any of us can make it to Hawaii? Anybody? I don't know how many miles away it is, but it's a long way. You know, one time uh, this guy named Kent Hoven, he's, he was, uh, he's a guy I learned about dinosaurs from uh, in a biblical view. He's driving on the Pacific Ocean. Not driving, you know, flying. And so he's flying on the Pacific Ocean. He's like, man, this is huge. Like, all you can see is blue. And the, the pilot said, yeah, it's just the top of it. And so it's like, wow, you're right. It's just the top of it. That thing is massive. And so, like, just picture yourself trying to swim to Hawaii. Are some going to get further than others? Yeah, like, I'm going to beat you all. So, like, when it, I'm going to get to first, but I'm still not going to get to Hawaii. I, there's no way I could ever reach Hawaii. We're, there's going to be some people who make it point one, like Kristen. There's going to be some people who make it 30. And there's going to be some people, like an Olympic swimmer, make it like 100. Like, we got, we're all going to get our way out there. And some of us will make it further than others. Some of us are more righteous than others. But none of us could ever be righteous enough to get to heaven. None of us could ever do that. None of us could ever be good enough. You see, like the first three minutes of my life, I sinned. I started crying, and I punched my mom in the face. No, what I really did is I peed on her. First day I came home from the hospital, I peed right on her face. And it was awesome to hear that story. I didn't even know I did it. And so, like, I, first three minutes of my life, you know, it's like that we cannot, our righteousness is not our own. You see, but Jesus, he saw our need our need to get all the way there, knowing that we could not even come close. Second Corinthians says this, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. Jesus was beaten, and we got an extremely vivid picture of that on Easter how the little balls, the little metal balls and the straps kind of tenderized the flesh and kind of tenderized the back, and they knew exactly how to slap it and, and just whip it to where those claws in the very end of it was ripping his skin first and then his muscles, and then he kind of went over to the side and, and they, they laid him on this, on this rock and kind of let him bleed out for a little bit and, and let it dry up to where he could kind of get just enough strength back to be able to carry his cross, and he couldn't even do that. He was so exhausted. They're plucking a beard, his beard from his face. And the Bible says that you couldn't recognize him as a human. That's insane. Like the fact that you could not even know, you didn't even know he was Jesus anymore. And he's carrying his cross up a hill called the place of the skull. And he gets up there and it's the point of it. Like, and they, they pull his shoulders out, or his arms out to where his like shoulders are out of socket. I did not even know that. Like that is, that seems so painful. And I was hanging up on this thing at work, and like I was just hanging like this. And I took a deep breath in, and I was I I felt that when Kenny was talking about how he was so it was so stretched out that he could breathe in, but he could not breathe out. And I was, I was holding like this, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm about to pass out," because I couldn't breathe. So like I had to like pull myself up, then breathe, then let myself back down. 
And I can't imagine doing that after being beaten for hours and having the beard put in my face and thirsty and you're basically on the verge of death already and you're up there and to get a breath you're having to pull up on nails with your hands and your feet just to let out your breath and you're thirsty you're about to die and then the worst part about it is the fact that God looked on him and saw every one of our sins past present, and future of every generation, all of it was put on him so that the righteousness of God, the one who is perfect, he looked away from Jesus. God looked away from the perfection by taking our punishment, what we deserved. He looked on him and he looked away. I I can't look. He's got sin. He's full of sin now. He took all of it on the cross. That was our sin. So that we, when we put our faith in that whole experience, that whole sacrifice, when we say, I put my faith in that, then all of a sudden his righteousness becomes our own. And you know how we can have faith that is 100% true? Because it didn't just end there. Because three days later, he rose to show us it was for real. He came back alive on his own power to say, I made you. I saw your need after you sinned. I came to live the life you couldn't live, and I took the punishment that you were owed just so that I could have a relationship with you. You can have faith in me because I did all that, and look, I defeated the only thing that could take you away from me forever. And now you can put your faith in me to have me. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you are literally hungering and thirsting after Jesus. The one who became sin so that you could become righteous. That's amazing. You know, like I said before, it's not something you can teach. I can't teach you. It's not something you do as in a three-step process to hunger and thirst. Like, I can't tell you this is how you hunger, and this is how you thirst, and this is righteousness. You can go do this now. It's not like that. It's all about your heart, what you desire, and if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will hunger and thirst after Jesus. It's a self-examining process that has to go on in your heart. What do I hunger after? What do I thirst for? Hunger and thirst, it's like a desperate need. We just packed boxes of thousands of meals for a nation who is hungry. And like Kenny said, that we cannot even comprehend here in the U.S. what that actually means. It's not something you should feel guilty for, but it's something you should feel sympathy for. But we cannot even comprehend what like, that kind of hunger is. And it started making me think of hunger pains, how my stomach would hurt so bad. Even now before lunch, like I eat three meals a day, but like my, my stomach is like, oh, I want food. And that desperate need for food to be able to live, that's literally your lifeline physically. And that thirst, like my mouth is so dry. Like I am so dehydrated that I feel weak. Like I don't have enough water to go. I don't have enough strength that hunger and thirst like, Jesus, if I don't have you, I cannot live life anymore. 
Like, Jesus, if I don't get a drink from you, I cannot do this. This, I cannot go any longer. God, I'm wrapped up in these chains. I need you. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate to be no longer a sinner in your eyes, but perfect in your eyes. That's what it looks like. And so the question tonight is the same as it has been for four weeks. What do you hunger for? And it is the most important thing. It is the most important question you could ask yourself. Because you can hunger after one of two things. You can either hunger after this world, or you can hunger and thirst after God. Those are the only two things. Literally, the only two things. And your actions will show what your heart has in it. Your words show what your heart has in it. What you take of, what you receive, will show what your heart has in it. Because you receive the food you're hungry for, right? What you take of, what you do, how you do it, it will show that. Review yourself. And I know it's hard. And I know sometimes we don't always have the answers. So that's why we say, and that's why Jesus is all about the heart. Jesus is all about the heart. What is your heart hungry for? So let me pray, and you'll have time to come and talk to God about what you're hungry for. Lord, um, I don't I don't really know what everybody's heart is telling them right now, Lord, or, or what you're speaking to them in their heart. I don't really know that. And Lord, it, it oftentimes bothers me because I want to know. I, I, I want to know so that I can give an answer or like just know like what do people want and are they truly a Christ follower? That's like the biggest question. Like, do they really, what, what are they really hunger for? And, and God, when I notice what, what they're hungering for, I, I begin to, I begin to want to know, like, why do you hunger for that? And, and how can I help you? But God, it, for the people who know you and they don't hunger, or the, who, who say they know you, but they don't hunger after you, God, that doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make so much sense that, God, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy because, because God, when it's, I'm a Christian and, and I say, I'm a Christian and, and there's two different desires there, there's two different foods there, it drives me nuts. I'm just like, I want you to know, but you say you know, but you don't. You just don't, and I wish you could because you would be so much more satisfied. Because, God, when we hunger and thirst after you, we're satisfied. You satisfy us. Lord, I just pray for that hungry soul or for the soul that doesn't even know that they are starving. God, please satisfy them with your righteousness. God, give them a hunger and a thirst for you. Help them to be in your presence day in and day out to have that peace 
it satisfies and it passes all understanding. God, help these people, Lord. Help the people who don't know. And for the people who do know you, God, encourage them to know that they're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And God, though they fall, Though they fall, they can still be made new. Every day your mercies are new. Every day your grace is new. And God, they can go to you and they can experience your love all over again because God, even when we're faithless, you're faithful. And God, that is so satisfying to know that when we die, your son was the righteousness that we took on and he took on our sin. And God, when we go to you, you can just say, well done. And God, I'm proud of you. Come into me. Come into my presence. And I, I want to worship with you forever. And I get to be with you forever because of that righteousness that you give us. Thank you, Lord, for that righteousness. Help us to live right. Help us to know you. Help us to hunger and thirst after you forever. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.